Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome back to whatever episode this is of Dunzo. It is me, Troy McKeady. And this is really, I'm excited for this because I've never done this before. First of all, I'm joined by royalty. I'm joined by Dunzo slash Smushroom it's a smush room royal. You guys, Russ Martin is here, and I'm so excited. Russ, how are you? Troy, I'm fantastic. It is so nice to be back. It's been a little minute. Uh, it's been a minute since I've heard the the words, the smush room. How about that? <laughs> no. Do you have any idea how many episodes of Dunzo you have done since uh, RIP the smush room? I honestly don't know, and I feel like I don't need to know. It's none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's none of my business. How have you been? How is life? Uh, life is fantastic. Uh, I just started teaching at the university that I went to undergraduate at. So yeah. that means that I'm real old. That's so cool, though. Do you love it, though? So far, so good. I am really liking it. Uh, I'm teaching journalism, but I've backdoored in teaching popular culture. So that's okay. going to be a lot of fun. Makes sense. I feel yeah. like whatever you're doing, you'll backdoor in teaching popular <laughs> culture, like no matter what your career is. I was like, so who here likes sports? I'll talk about Simone Biles and her celebrity. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I know a thing or two about food. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing? How's I'm your good. day? I'm good. I, uh, I'm just like podcasting and living. I'm kind of podcasting full time now a little bit. I love it so much. Congratulations yeah. on your new show and all of its smashing success. I love it so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's fun. I'm obsessed with Kelly. Now she's like, I've like ushered Kelly into my life as a, like a mother figure, which is like what I do to every strong woman in my life. <laughs> so now, now I'm being swaddled by Kelly once a week and it's like real good beautiful yeah I have to say that it uh changes every celebrity piece of news that pops up because I have this instinct now to be like someone's really going on <laughs> right it's like who are you really though girl who are you <laughs> yeah no it's a it's a whole new celebrity worldview uh I'm sure you listen to who weekly which is one yeah. of the the biggest podcasts in the celebrity space and who weekly sort of introduced a new lexicon of celebrity and mm-hmm. I think that you're starting to do that a little bit with Beyond the Blinds. And Thanks. That's a yeah. big compliment. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It is the, the dark underbelly. And I love to decide what I want to believe. How yeah. far into the rabbit hole I want to jump with you. And yeah. that, that's really the fun. Do I want to climb out or do I want to get all the way down? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you want to fully swallow the red pull or <laughs> not really commit? You know what I mean? Or just yeah. put it under your tongue and pretend you swallowed it. um so yeah today Russ and I are doing something really fun I've never done this before and I'm gonna give full praise to Russ because this was your idea 
Um, we are going to be talking about the 2001 Video Music Awards today. And I have not watched this since it aired. Like, I've only seen, in the past 20 years, I've only seen clips of it. And it's also the anniversary of, of this award show just happened. And this was like right before September 11th. It just feels really, um, it feels like the right time to talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. And Troy, I do have to correct you. This was your idea that I reminded you of. Oh, was it? <laughs> was it really? <laughs> For those who don't know, I'm Troy's momager and Troy and I bat around ideas and I, I bring <laughs> Troy ideas and we workshop through things. And sometimes I remember Troy's great ideas that he has That's had so and I, I sell them back to him and invite myself on as a guest. That is so funny. I really honestly don't remember, but yeah, Russ truly is my Chris Jenner, like for real. Like as I'm doing my Playboy shoot with my ass looped up, he's like taking the pictures behind me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you brought up something incredibly interesting. Let's start with the date of this award show being the last hurrah of a certain end of the 90s bleeding into the 2000s boy band girl pop 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 moment right and just five days before September 11th blows my fucking mind it's so insane to think like you're watching people who don't know that their entire landscape is about to change yeah and they're like promoting I mean like people are promoting their albums like Jay-Z's like my album comes out September 11th like they have no idea that like nothing you're doing right now actually really matters really unless your name is Britney Jean Spears <laughs> nobody's gonna like remember that your album came out on September 11th Jay-Z Troy did you watch the commercials for the show every single one of them so the most important one was obviously the commercial for Mariah Carey's Glitter coming out on September 11th. I was like, oh God. I know. Okay. Okay. I know. It was like, it was like stepping in, it was like stepping out of a time machine in a good way. And in some ways in like a really weird, like, what are we talking about? Like, I don't know. I don't know what you thought about Jamie Foxx's hosting of this award show. But like, holy shit. Well, let's get into Jamie Foxx, the, the pre-Katie Holmes Jamie Foxx. Totally oh different God. celebrity in my brain. Oh my God. Yeah, so Jamie Foxx was the host of this award show, which I honestly had no recollection of. I didn't remember who hosted this at all. Like I said, I only, I have like two or three memories of this award show. And um, his opening was fucking brutal. It was Neil Patrick Harris, the house down boots. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? It was like a, a weird like opera number that went on too long. Way too long. It was a full song and dance, like coat and tails, throwback moment. <laughs> yeah, coat and tails. Yeah. At one point there was a like larger Viking woman who was doing something strange with him. Yeah. It was uncomfortable. Overall, I would say that his jokes really didn't land in a deeply uncomfortable way. At, it, it, comedy is of the moment, so maybe that's part of it. Right. Like maybe the, there were for sure a couple contextual things that I didn't really get in terms of the bits because I think the reference was lost. Right. Uh, Will Ferrell at one point climbs up something and is that a reference to a Rage Against the Machine moment? Yeah, it was supposed to be. <laughs> I was like, but nobody's laughing. Like, yeah. 
I just, I don't know. It's like you look back at these award shows, especially now, and all we do is compare them to, you know, their better years, right? Everybody's like, oh, the VMAs aren't what they used to be. And I was watching this thinking like, mm. like <laughs> yeah, they're definitely not what they used to be, but I don't know if this is what I thought they were. Yeah, there's definitely less stentory. And I think that the VMAs could use some more stuntery. I feel like maybe we haven't had a VMA stunt since uh, What's Good, Miley. Yeah. Maybe that that was the last one. Yeah. Uh, so there's less like talkable moments. Like no one's really talking about anything that happened at the 2021 VMAs on Sunday. Yeah, no. Aside from like, you know, the following day, like after the next day, it's like, it's as if it didn't happen. Correct. Yeah. And it, like no memes or anything even left on the... Met Gala just really took the uh, wind out of the sails. Yeah, and I will say, I think this is probably like a post-COVID thing, but like, I was watching this thinking, wow, like award shows used to be way more dependent on the host. Like, correct. It was really the, the, the award show was as good as its host, and it was really the host's job to like, move things forward, you know, like progress things, make the, I don't know, like, it felt like Jamie Foxx was just kind of coming out and doing these like stale bits that weren't landing. And it was like making everybody uncomfortable and then he would just leave. And at the time, and up until quite recently, we as a culture needed every award show to open with like a solid 15 minute set from a comic, Mm -hmm. which is bizarre. And in recent (laughs) years, uh, that opening spot has been used for a pop star to do something big. Yeah, it's true. The debut performance of a single or a new piece of music. There has yeah. been a lot of big opening performances. Taylor did it one year. Gaga did it one year. And I would much rather open with something big like that than an uncomfortable comedic styling. Yeah, where they're just like roasting the celebrities because they think that we as the the people want to see celebrities like be uncomfortable. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't, not really, like, he made a joke, I wrote down some of the stuff that he said, um, he opened with this really cringy monologue about, like, I don't even, I don't even know, like, the base of what it was about, because it was so all over the place, but he made a joke about the Backstreet Boys, like, versus NSYNC, and he joked about uh, AJ's sobriety, like, kind of yeah. a lot, it was, like, really, it was like not funny and just brutal. <laughs> okay. And I wrote down to ask you about this. So the Backstreet Boys make an appearance. And then when they're leaving, does Jamie Foxx open a bottle of champagne and offer it to AJ? Is yeah. that what my eyes saw? That's what you're... Okay, so he made a joke that he was going to nickname AJ McLean um, Long Island Ice Tea. Nobody laughed. And then he was like... Uh, he said something about, he also made this really homophobic joke about Eminem and Elton John, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Then when his monologue was over, he like popped a bottle of champagne and offered AJ a glass of champagne. And then the Backstreet Boys ended up presenting the first, the hip hop award, the first award of the night. And AJ made it a point to be like, by the way, I'm 90 days sober and it's really hard. And like, if I can do it, you can do it. It was just like, this is how the show's opening. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. It, it was, was a weird. lot. There were some weird moments. 
I've got to say my favorite part of the opening comedy segment, there's this really cringe joke that he makes about Bill Clinton Mm. and Bill Clinton being surrounded by hoes in different area codes Mm -hmm. and paste him into this beach scene with ladies in bikinis. And Mm. then they do a cutaway to Susan Sarandon and three of her children who are just laughing their bloody faces (laughs) off at this hoe joke. And her kids, like, two of them are young. <laughs> like, you get that a little bit too much. Like, you think like, you got the bit too much. <laughs> yeah, and, like, Susan Sarandon, who went on to be, like, a, a Twitter warrior for justice, just <laughs> right. 2021 oh, Susan Lord. Sarandon would take 2001 Susan Sarandon to task and cancel her. For sure. No, she would, like... Yeah, it was like, it was like really um, an overload of the senses almost. It was like visually a lot. And then what he was saying was fucking insane. Um, I mentioned that he made a really homophobic joke about because Elton John and Eminem had just performed together. And like, you know, that was like a late night bit when they were on stage together. Yeah, for um, Grammys. Yeah, and he said Elton John and some shady fell in love with the Grammys and he's changing his name to Little Ho- Little Homo. And I was like, okay. And then he said, and then Slim, Slim is changing his name from Eminem to I'm in him. <laughs> and he held for a really long time for applause. And there's a really funny moment where Jessica and Ashley Simpson look at each other and they're just like, like sort of church giggling in their seat and like <laughs> leaning back. Like nobody knows what to do. <laughs> I just, in my heart of hearts, imagine Jessica leaning over and explaining to young Ashley. <laughs> That's what dad does. <laughs> She's like, that's like daddy. That's like, that's like Paul. <laughs> um, I did think though that you compared 2001 to 2021 and then you have a queer black man up on stage shaking his booty, doing his thing. And it is the most celebrated piece of the evening. Right. Uh, in so many ways, we have not come far at all, but right. in terms of gay representation in the media, queer people out there representing their own damn selves. And yeah, it's wonderful. You, you do sort of realize like how much the world has changed when you watch something like this in completion and not just like clips, like just the throwaway jokes that they make in between, even like in the commercials and stuff are fucking weird. Like everything is just a little weird. um the Backstreet Boys I wanted to ask who was your favorite Backstreet Boy because I had a realization oh okay um I love Brian and to be honest with you because I have nothing to hide here on Dunzo Podcast I liked Nick like I liked Nick when I was younger for sure especially when his voice changed (laughs) anybody else (laughs) (laughs) or whatever I was also a Brian girl and I was watching this, the Baxter Boys come out on stage. Four of them look reasonably dressed for the period. Right. And Brian is dressed like a child going to a wedding in a suit <laughs> that is two sizes too big. Did he always have Christian pastor energy? <laughs> yeah, he did. It's, he did. Ooh. Yeah. It's not, it's not great, Troy. I don't, I don't feel awesome about about that <laughs> no he was wearing like he looked like a little boy that put on his dad's suit and was like yeah clink, clink 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 i'm coming out on stage like in suspenders um 
yeah i was listen i liked i liked nick i loved nick i loved that middle part bowl cut like oh i I loved it i knew even back then he was he was toxic and i loved it um we got a really really good tribute to Aaliyah because Aaliyah had just passed away yeah that's also so crazy to think about because you know she's still so culturally relevant and it was so weird to see them talk about her like her brother had said something like um or no Timbaland had said something like well like you'll live on forever through your music and like what a loaded statement in 2021 Like, that made me really super sad and super emotional. And, like, always, whenever I see Missy talk about Aaliyah, I get, like, uh, Missy was so big sister role mm-hmm. when she was talking about it. That whole segment was really touching. And I just thought so much about the legacy that Aaliyah really left. And I was struck. I haven't recalled recently just how young Aaliyah was mm-hmm. when she passed away. She was 22 years old. I know, it's crazy. And because I just watched the VMAs, I was like looking up for comparison. Normani's 25. Yeah. It's like think crazy. of where Normani is at by comparison in her career, right? And right. by that time, Aaliyah had such cultural resonance mm-hmm. and had produced such massively successful and impactful music. Yeah. And yeah, just too bright for this world yeah it's weird when you think about the fact that she honestly at that point she had carved out like a new genre I mean a new like kind of female pop star basically came through Aaliyah yeah that we still see I mean there's still versions of so many pop stars now are still just versions of Aaliyah repackaged Who, who do you think so I mean I definitely think listen this is not a read but, like, it's it's really hard to imagine Rihanna's career without Aaliyah. Like, sure. what the fuck would it even look like? What would Rihanna look like without Aaliyah if she didn't exist? Yeah. I don't think that's a read at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think it's compliment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was super sad. And yeah. also, Janet was Janet started that tribute. And uh, Janet, 2001 Janet, wearing her little, like, like page boy hat. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. Um, In general, there was a lot of hat work. A lot of people were wearing <laughs> yeah. hats. Yeah. JLo showed up wearing basically full resort wear to be inside a theater in New York. <laughs> she had on a floppy hat. I had forgot that for a long period of time, <laughs> Alicia Keys covered like 45% of her face with a hat at all times. Can we talk about, okay, let's start with JLo because Jennifer was the first performance of the night. Yes. Yeah. So, I have thoughts. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I will say Jennifer's come a very long way since 2001. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. It was giving pop stars who was going to be the next pop star on WB Fantasy. I mean, it was like amateur hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the segment really boldly starts with about a minute and a half of just dancing no singing which I think (laughs) is incredibly bold for somebody who is famously not only not a singer but has other people sing her song I know I know know. at the time that was such a huge 
point of contention about yeah. the whole JLo project that she wasn't saying that you could hear Ashanti on her tracks. Yeah. And I was like, you're going to come out here and dance for a minute and a half before you hit a vocal? Can we also talk about the intro of Ja Rule? We have to talk about the intro of Ja Rule. Uh-huh. So JLo dances for a full minute. And like Russ said, she is fully wearing like Tommy Bahama Resort. I mean, she's she is ready for like a lounge on a chair at the beach. Like, it, it, I, I don't have words to describe what the hell she was wearing. And she stands on stage and she's like, you hear, what the motherfucker name? And then, and then JLo goes, I don't think they can hear you. And Ja Rule just over and over, they do it like five times. She's like, one more time, they didn't hear you in the back. And he's like, what the motherfucker Does it like eight times. And then finally JLo just starts singing I mean, allegedly singing so fucking off key the whole time. It was so, it was so bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I had just thought, I think it was in the opening, uh, like comedic portion that there had been a joke at Mariah Carey's expense. And I was like, this is truly the worst timeline of Mariah. Yes. JLo is a VMA star. Oh. Mariah is the butt of a joke. And she's about to go through the worst release of her career. You're so right. Yes. I, I thought that I wrote that down, but I remember it because J, uh, Jamie Foxx said something like, oh, I did write it down. Uh, he said, he was like, you know, I just went to rehab and he like waited for people to like wait for the punchline, but like nobody was into his jokes. And he's like, I, I just went to rehab and he goes, it's not for alcohol or anything. I'm not an alcoholic. He goes, I went there to fuck Mariah huh I was like oh what <laughs> like is that a joke Not like 2001 great. standards um I have a question please for you I wrote down the names of some folks uh, the show opened up with just a parade of stars some still relevant today some not mm -hmm. is there anyone who really stood out to you as holy shit, I forgot about that band or person even existing. Um, I would say probably when they said that Stained yeah. was performing, I was like, what? Who? <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Dream. Oh, Dream. Okay, yeah, they, they're yeah. very relevant to me in my life, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I had not thought about Dream. And they also did a really weird thing where award shows will often pair up two people. And I don't know if it, this was a VMA trope or just this particular VMAs, but at one point they sent out six people okay. to introduce a category. All four members of Dream, plus Jessica Simpson and someone else. And Mandy Moore. And Mandy Moore, yeah. Uh, I wrote down that it was uh, 2001's Pop Beast team. <laughs> it was so awkward, too, because, like, there were so many people on stage that they had to keep, like, adjusting to get to the mic to do their little bit, their, like, pre-written joke. Like, it was so... I, I, and I think that the joke they were doing was that they were young, because yes. they were like, I remember when I was a little girl and Mariah Carey was famous. And then another one would be like, yeah, I remember being a kid and seeing Madonna's videos as a kid because we're little. <laughs> like the whole bit was like, we're young girls. 
<laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so many revelations for me. Uh, so many revelations for me, forgetting how people were positioned in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Like this was also the short window of time in which we all thought that Macy Gray was going to be an Alicia Keys level star who stayed with us for decades forevermore. Oh my God. We were convinced that Macy Gray was going to be like, that she was this like prodigy. Yeah. Like we thought that Macy Gray was Tracy Chapman. Yeah, literally. And we also, I mean, not to say that Alicia Keys isn't like extremely talented, but like the way she was spoken about when she first came out was that she was like, this Mozart level Beethoven you know like she is literally a black young Beethoven that came from like Hell's Kitchen or whatever the fuck Alicia Keys is from like Beethoven of the streets yeah like she's this musical prodigy that is going to take over the world which like it's not like she didn't but it's just like now she's Alicia Keys yeah she's her own thing yeah Alicia doesn't sell well but she's got a great career like people think of her like as like a, a b-tier legend totally for sure you're right yeah and you're 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 so right about the fact that this was before we had ever seen alicia's like head yeah because <laughs> <laughs> falling had just come out and she even says when she wins her award for like best new artist or whatever that um she'd never been on she'd never like accepted an award before like she didn't know how to like stand in front of the podium. It was cute. Yeah, this was, she was very fresh faced and adorable. And I love Alicia Keys. I, I really yeah. like her. Uh, I do too. She hosted something. Did she host the BET Awards? No, Erica Badu hosted the BET Awards recently, right? No, uh, but she did host something. Was it the Grammys? Maybe it was the Grammys. The Grammys, yeah. And I thought she did a good job. Yeah. Uh, I think she's cool. I like her a lot. Uh, there was, also, this was the year of the Macy Gray dress. My album dropped yeah. September 18th. Yes. People thought that was so crass. Do you remember the backlash to that dress? Yeah, it was, it was major. Yeah. It kind of flopped her. It did. It, honestly, it did. Like, people were just, like, so put off by that. And the really funny thing is whenever I look at that dress, my best friend at the time had her birthday party since I'm from Cleveland we all we used to have our birthday parties at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame like every year because it was just like a thing to do that was close. And that dress was there that year. Like she took it off and immediately gave it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I'll never forget being like, holy shit, like that's Macy Gray's promo dress. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, uh, for all the listeners, I think that that is an excellent 2021 Halloween costume for an elder millennial. <laughs> Oh my God, it's so good. Also, I just wanted to say, by the way, before we move on um, too much, like you need to download Dream on your phone immediately. <laughs> okay, I, listen, I listened to Dream uh, back in the day, but uh, no offense to your standum, but they <laughs> didn't exactly have a long lasting impact on the culture. Well, me and Diddy will be contacting your lawyers. Our people will be <laughs> reaching out to your people for slander. Okay, so I get some of those mixed up in my head. Dream was the second season of making the band after o-town when diddy took over is that right no that's that's danity kane danity kane dream was dream ironically, no they were never on oh they were ironically never on a reality show which it seems like they would have been yeah it, it really does <laughs> yeah i know no so danity kane was um was making the band dream was just one of his failed attempts okay what was the pop stars band, Sugar Jones? Pop stars was O-Town. 
Uh, no, O-Town was making the band. Pop stars, that was Eden's crush. Eden's crush. Uh, uh, what did I say? Sugar Jones? Sugar Jones is pop star Canada, which <laughs> nobody outside of Canada will I was going to say, I don't know what that is. No, all of your Canadian <laughs> listeners just started singing a song in their head. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Eden's crush was pop stars, which then turned into, that turned into making the band, didn't it? I've done 20 episodes about this. You think I would know? No. Uh, so ABC was making the band. And right. then I think that that franchise got taken over by Diddy. Right. Oh, yeah. Because it was, oh, God, it was Lou Pearlman. Correct. Was, yes. <laughs> duh. Oh, my God. Yes, Did O-Town. Was, yeah, uh, it was O-Town. So that was on ABC, but Popstars was on the uh, the WB. Now CW. Right. Yes. Yeah. And then when Diddy took making the band, it went to MTV. Yes. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, because uh, like uh, non-teenagers watched the first season of Making the Band. It was mm-hmm. positioned as a of the moment reality television show, a, a social experiment as Big Brother was yeah. at the time. It yes. was very that era. Yeah. I love when reality shows used to position themselves as social experiments to see yeah. more like to see more like Emmy worthy. Yeah, it was a docuseries in 1999. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um I also wanted to talk about, um, we're just kind of like jumping all over the place, but as far as performances go, I actually really liked NSYNC's performance. Okay, tell me why. <laughs> I thought it was like really, I didn't expect it to be so full high whore camp. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, this is literally, I always forget that NSYNC was like, in my like view of NSYNC versus Backstreet Boys, it was like Backstreet Boys were like crooners and like they were more focused on like their voices. And like, of course there was a visual element to the Backstreet Boys, but they were more like, their their focus was more on like their music. Whereas NSYNC was, they were performers. Yes. Like, yeah. No, that's actually, the word crooner is smart to use. Yeah. They were, they were almost like branching into white-eyed soul with some. Yeah. If, White-eyed soul, blue-eyed soul. <laughs> <laughs> like, they almost had like witch hag soul. What's the one white people do? <laughs> yeah, you're like it's Blair Witch soul. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were definitely that. This was also a real time in which Backstreet Boys were on their way down, and NSYNC mm-hmm. were on their way up, and yeah. NSYNC were being replaced. NSYNC swept this award show. Yeah. They won a lot of major televised awards. Yeah, I mean, I was honestly, I, looking back, I was like, oh yeah, I remember why I was an NSYNC head. Like, I remember why I preferred NSYNC over the Backstreet Boys, because they were, they were such pop stars. Whereas, like you said, the Backstreet Boys were like, they wanted to be boys to men. Oh yeah. Like, they wore oversized shirts and like, almost like silky TLC pants and they stood by microphones and moved back and forth. Like they were doing an MTV Unplugged thing. Yeah, yeah. leather coats. NSYNC was really the Ritalin version of it for the younger kids. Yeah, NSYNC is like in cow print chaps with nothing underneath. Yeah. Like one of them has white braids. Like (laughs) they were just like full and like Euro trash pop stars, which was like so fun. But no, I really liked it. Like it was just very... um, it was just like very, I don't know. I, the thing that I love about them is how European they are. 
you know what I mean? Like they're like such Swedish pop stars, but in America. Yeah, they're especially in that performance is a level of Eurovision camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're cheap. Com- yeah, they're purposefully cheesy. And that's yes. what the song's about. And and pop is a great song. Oh it's so effing good. It's so good. And it's so 2001 in the best way. Yeah. You and know? it's written about something. Like most of their songs are written about nothing, yeah. but it takes its stake and starts talking about what else is going on in the music scene. And yeah. it has a point of view. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, is it Stupid Girls by Pink? Yeah. In how it's calling out what's happening around in the industry. Uh, yeah. It's, very, it's a very good song, yeah. I thought, so the performance itself is pop art inspired. Right. Uh, they're, they're pulling in different tropes. They've got people fully painted in blue to look like uh, Warholian figures. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's silly, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it was just so, it was so silly. That's the best way to describe it. It was just like, wow, they really don't take themselves seriously at all, while also being very serious. And it's funny because, you know, I've talked a lot on this podcast about, like, the influence of, like, Black music, obviously, like, Black producers, Black songwriters, Black choreographers, um, and their impact on our generation's pop music. And it's funny because NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys both are basically like doing Black pop music in their own way. Like NSYNC's focus on dance and trying to basically be Michael Jackson is yeah. so apparent and so obvious. And um, and then, yeah, of course, like I said, like the Backstreet Boys just wanted to be boys to men. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. And I was like, oh, this is like when I didn't hate Justin. Like, that was a fun, you know, it was like a fun thing to remember. Like, when he was, like, charming still. I did not find him charming, but I <laughs> yeah. watched with 2021 glasses. And I'm like, oh, I always hated that kid. I know. Yeah. Uh, so you brought up, they brought out Michael Jackson. Can we talk about that for a second? Uh-huh. Yeah. What the hell was, I mean, Michael was not sober, correct? Ah. <laughs> uh, that was a rough point in the Michael Jackson timeline. And the show actually opens. One of the jokes is about Michael Jackson and children. Yeah. And they pan to everyone laughing. So we are looking at a cultural moment where everyone in the room knows to laugh at a Michael Jackson kid joke. Yeah. And then Justin Timberlake pulls him out from behind a curtain and he gets a standing ovation. And I was like, how is he both like icon and predator and uh, I know it's so 2001. And to think Janet was like sitting in the audience when in the front row, when Jamie made that joke, like it's just so awkward. But yeah, they pull him out and he like, he just looks rickety. Like he just looks like he like freak show white. Yeah, like, it's like, oh, God, Michael looks really bad. Like, he looks like the parody version of himself. Yeah. And there was, like, a weird moment where at the end of him dancing, he, like, immediately had to sit down. Yeah. Like, they put a chair on stage for him, and he sat in it. Uh, It was, like, really fucking weird. Yeah. The the skin thing shocked me because I haven't thought about it 
in, in a while but like I'm yeah. looking at Troy right now and like if you walked into a Sephora like Troy would be a seven and I would be a three <laughs> right. Michael Jackson would be a minus five he yeah. looked like a fucking ghost translucent like he was glowing yeah I also weirdly in my head was like I thought Michael Jackson was already dead by then I know because it feels like it's been so long. Yeah, I have a very clear memory of where I was when Michael Jackson died and exactly what it was. And it was five five years after that. Yeah. But I was like, oh, wow, uh, a timeline in which Michael Jackson is alive. Okay, all right. Right. The place. And it's weird too, like his influence is all over this award show, but he himself is like this like empty shell of a He's human He's the phantom being. of the opera. True, uh, like genuinely, like a ghoul came out behind a smokescreen and span around, almost fell back, sat in a kitchen chair on stage, and then then they like wheeled him off. Um, So that was really weird. Uh, Jay-Z also performed H to the Izzo, Uh and he promoted, and this, it's also weird to see Jay-Z like real Jay-Z, Jay-Z and Beyonce, Beyonce, who's like in Destiny's Child at this award show and like not interacting or having anything to do with each other at all. Yeah. And also them being like other celebrities. That's weird. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I want to talk about that for a second. Yeah, please do. Okay. Because you know, I always talk about how much I miss when Beyonce used to talk. Uh Uh-huh. Like when she was a human person. Yes. I love deity Beyonce. Please don't, you know, don't slash my tires. But um, I just miss when she was like a human being. And, you know, she came out and did her little bit with Destiny's Child. And they were wearing like these matching denim, like really, really cute, like Tina Knowles. <laughs> you did not just describe them as cute. Listen, the record show. listen, there is charm and whimsy and everything that Tina Knowles put put needle to thread to whatever you what, what she saying. did was put scissor to cotton and create <laughs> a fringe <laughs> all right wait are you talking about the orange or the, the orange fringe? yeah the orange the denim okay. are much better than the orange the, there was an outfit change and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah there was an outfit change yeah the listen what i'll say about tina Knowles's uh fashions is that it's crazy that she could always take one concept and turn it into three different looks every single time do you know what I mean? It's like today we're doing black lace and like jewels. Tomorrow we're doing basketball clothes. And she just like turns them into like these three intense pieces. I don't, I don't know. To me, it just looks like a, a 15 minute three model runway project runway challenge. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? I have, I have always been just like very much so against Tina's fashion hosts. <laughs> to are. the point where like Beyonce uh, wore a Gareth Pugh piece in about 2008, I want to say. And uh, Gareth Pugh, a British designer, was sort of the talk of London at the time. He put out this all white collection. It was very uh, futuristic space, but club kid inspired. Okay, okay. Do you remember the piece? It had like, the, it had wide shoulders and it came in. It looked sort of like she was in a little white robot suit. I don't remember that. I'll send you a picture of it. Okay. Uh, but she, at that moment, I was like, well, I can respect her again. <laughs> yeah, finally she's back. <laughs> 
Um, but no, yeah. So Jay Z was like Jay Z was like full Jay Z, Jay Z, and he performed H to the Izzo. And this was the last time I can remember really. I used to really like Jay Z a lot when I was in like middle school, early high school. And this is the last time I can remember him having any sort of like real relevance in my life, mm-hmm. um, like music wise. And this is when he was still like really cool. Um, yeah. One, one thing that I didn't, just because like he, I just, I stopped paying attention to him. One thing that I learned about him when I did that Beyonce and Jay-Z thing was that like he became very not cool. Like he became very like, you know, I release music through Samsung. Yeah, yeah, on, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he became very sort of like try hard, whereas Beyonce was like skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. And this is when he was still like just really fucking cool. Yeah. Although he had a budget Harlem Go- Globetrotters opening with some basketball players doing some pretty any front yard <laughs> in America sort of tricks. <laughs> right. Yeah, he did. Uh, and he was wearing the biggest jean shorts I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Ever in life. Yeah. But weird to see them just down on the level of an everyday celebrity. Yeah. Because we have so accepted them as living gods. Mm-hmm. And they were at one point human celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> Just human breathing people with skin and all the things, you know. Yeah. Can we talk a bit about 2001 fashion? And a bit? How it actually was versus how it is on TikTok today. Yeah, I do want to talk about that. I want to talk about that because I'm like, oh, do you really love early 2000s fashion? Do you really? Because if you do, then please put on what Pink was wearing to accept her Lady Marmalade performance and go out in a day. Go out for a whole day. If you really love it as much as you claim to love it. Describe Pink's outfit. Okay, so she's wearing joggers. Mm-hmm. And they are not she by Sheree. I do not approve. They are just straight up fucking, it looked like old Navy joggers. She's shoeless. Yeah, and the joggers are capri length. They are capri length. She's barefoot. She's wearing a mesh, like high-waisted um, bathing suit. <laughs> And then on top of that, she is a, a turtleneck t-shirt, a custom turtleneck t-shirt that has been cut to fr- like frame the mesh. Uh-huh. A fedora, of course. Everyone is wearing a hat in this entire <laughs> room. <laughs> yeah, nobody is hatless for sure. Um, she looks fucking insane. Lil' Kim, first of all, Christina Aguilera has box braids. She's <laughs> Moesha braids. <laughs> Because it's Christina. She just fucking thinks that she can do whatever she wants. <sighs> yep. Mm-hmm. So Christina's wearing box braids that are pink and blonde. Um, yeah. Lil' Kim. Lil' Kim. I don't even, I, I mean, Lil' Kim is untouchable. She could come out in a paper bag and I wouldn't care. But like her hair is, I don't know how to describe her hair. It's going to take me a minute. You go, because it's going to take me a minute to think about it. Uh, what I noticed is that 2001 fashion is all about separates and accessories. Nobody is wearing a head-to-toe look. Everyone looks like they've gone to the mall 
with $150 and purchased as many items as they possibly could on a shopping spree and thrown it all into the same look. Like yeah. people are wearing six different pieces of fabric in yeah. six different arrangements on their body. And then they're wearing like eight different types of accessories. Everyone's yeah. got on multiple rings. Everyone's got on like bangles up to one side. Everyone has on some sort of like a clinky clanky belt. <laughs> yeah. There's like, <laughs> a, there's a lot of buckles going on. There's just, there's, it's so much. It's very Claire's. Well, the thing about it is that it's like cheap. Like it's, yeah. it's the true definition of um, like ghetto fab. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, cheap as fuck but it's like really expensive pieces and a lot of it is like custom which is Uh like interesting like you look at a lot of the shit that people are wearing like especially the shirts they're all like custom cut custom sewn custom like bedazzled they look they're like pieces made for them yeah but they're like the most expensive possible version of something that you would get like somewhere between the Jersey Shore and like Sunset. Yeah, like they're really, really cheap looking. Yeah. Very inexpensive. And very professional DIY. Yeah, which I will say, that's one of the things that I love about that time period. I do like that. Yeah. I like the sort of patchiness of the early 2000s where it's like, it felt like every pop star, like everything that they wore always, like when you look at what Britney wore on like red carpets and even just like for photo shoots and stuff, it all looked so custom. Mm-hmm. It all looked like a stylist was like, we have these patches, we have these bolts, we have, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we have all this, this box of shit. Let's like turn this into something. And I like that. Have you ever been to a Build-A-Bear in the mall? Oh, Yes. It, it, the fashion of the time for celebrities was like a $10,000 package Build-A-Bear. <laughs> totally. Like, <laughs> it's true. It's like, it's really, it was really a lot. Yeah. And it, it's weird because it's like, you can look at what everybody's wearing and it's, it's, you can pick up on trends. Like I remember tr- the trends. I, I know what they were, but you look at it and it's like, this is trendless. Yeah. Like we didn't know that we were living in like the second eighties. We didn't know that you could literally, there would be a time that would come soon after where you couldn't just wear anything that you could ever imagine wearing. Yeah. Like there were no boundaries or rules really to anything. And like that part of it is like fun, you know? Yeah. The fashion was more surprising too. Now celebrities yeah. play it safe a whole lot more now. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Met Gala was a testament to that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, were there any songs that you caught yourself singing along to where you're like, I have not heard this in time? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I was like rapping each of the Izzo, which is gross. I don't want to, I mean, <laughs> I actually might even cut that out. Uh, <laughs> not really, to be honest with you, because this is my iPod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. You know what I mean? You as, live in 2001. Yeah. As Nini Leaks would say, I can listen to that on an iPod. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? You you obviously watch Scream Queens, right? Uh-huh. 
Do you remember the uh, the woman who has played Nassim? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Her, mm-hmm. uh, who was terminally stuck in like 1984. <laughs> right. It's kind of like Troy's still in 2001. It's, <gasps> it's a bit of a mental break, but that's where he is, you know? It is. Like when you told me, I was like, dream. <laughs> dream. <laughs> that's all. He loves you, not. <laughs> a, a bob. Uh, absolutely yeah. a bob. I won't oh argue. Uh, for me, it was uh, City High, What Would You Do? I know every word to that song. Oh my God. Yes, City High. Because they, what were they nominated for? Best Hip Hop? Best Hip Hop, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, best Hip Hop video. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, City High. I was like, that's fun. Yeah. City High. And I can just remember. So we're the same age. Uh-huh. In 2001, we would have been 13, right? Yep. And when I was 13, I so clearly remember Southern Manitoba, middle of the prairies, town of 2,500 people, my white ass, just <laughs> late at night being like listening to this song about an urban black single mother and her struggle and being like, I feel it. <laughs> Are you kidding? Every, every child listening to that song screams saying those lyrics. Especially, you know, like the rap part at the end where he like re- reiterates what she's been saying, and he's like, "What would you do if your son was at home crying?" Like, you really like get into it because he's hungry. <laughs> like, like that was like my part. <laughs> it's like, baby, you're 13. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. That and India Ari, India Ari. Why oh, didn't we get more from her? Oh my God, India Ari. Yeah, she. She was a, I feel like, um, a result of this weird time period where it was like, we wanted a bunch of versions of like Lauren Hill. Yeah. Like, like we were looking for the, basically, honestly, like the next like Lauren. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was the Macy Gray, Black Eyed Peas collab. Hey, DJ. yes. Yes or Mr. DJ or whatever. I was like, whoa, oh my God. Hey, DJ. (laughs) As many people forget, there was a time period in which the Black Eyed Peas thing was like cycling through interesting, different front people. Yep, yep. And yeah, I I don't know. To me, there there's no justice in the fact that Nicole Schitzinger never got her her go around with the Black Eyed Peas as she was intended to that but, will haunt me until I'm dead I'm not kidding yeah and bless Fergie and I'm glad that the Black Eyed Peas were root out of her horrendous drug addiction yeah. but I do think that we could have had some more versions of Black Eyed Peas with different folks at the front of it that popped oh my god with with Nicole's voice Right. And like her ability to actually like write music and stuff and not just be, I mean, like, uh, yeah, agreed. Like I love Fergie, but like she's great. Ni- she's great, but like Nicole is like a real fucking talent. You know what I mean? Like she's like a real lightning in a bottle talent, like that we just don't appreciate or give a fuck about <laughs> for whatever reason. I think that Black Eyed Peas could still do it. Like imagine Tinashe. Yeah. With the Black it's Eyed Peas. It's or true. like let's give Normani a radio song yes and let's blow normani up using the yes. vehicle of the black eyed peas you know what i'm saying rca just heard that they're going to contact you <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> rca is going to be reaching out to you um, <laughs> um i do also want to obviously we're going to end the episode by talking about britney it's just britney. Like the, the it's lead coming. you know yeah. of course everybody's like hi um <laughs> 
But I also wanted to talk really quickly about Missy's performance. Yeah. I know we talked about her um, her tribute to Aaliyah, but I mean, the innovation, like, I was like, oh, so like, that's where Miley stole her entire fucking bangers tour concept from was like Missy. Uh, because she comes out and like, it's like this big like Legends of the Hidden Temple version. It's like this Mayan version of Missy's head, like a stone um, statue of her head. And uh, the mouth is like opening and closing while she's performing. She comes down from the ceiling on a chandelier. So fucking cool. And then like partway through her performing, uh, did she do Get Your Freak On? Is that what she was performing? She did Get Your Freak On, the remix. The remix version, which is so good. And then she just, because, you know, Missy, the thing that I think is missing from the music industry is somebody like Missy, who is not only like really innovative and and talented and incredible, but loves to collaborate and put other people on a pedestal and like make other artists the best they could be and put people together in groups. Like she really loved like showcasing talent. Well, lest we forget the Lady Marmalade was a Missy project. Totally. Yeah. Like she was just so, oh, we are so lucky that we got to experience like the peak of Missy's career. And so halfway through the performance, then the mouth of this like Missy head opens and the tongue comes out and Nelly Furtado comes out and she's like, I love me some Nelly Furtado. Oh my God. They dropped her into that tongue straight from Canada, baby. <laughs> and then we see um uh Ludacris comes out and Trina. Yeah. It was just so cool. It was so and of course Timbaland was on stage because duh, that goes without saying. Yeah. Yeah. And Missy uh gets remembered as an innovator of beats, especially mm-hmm. and like production, but also what a wonderful visual artist. Oh my god. The tour visuals, the fashion, the videos. Missy really did the damn visuals and not for nothing. She is a bigger, more masculine yeah. kind of a gal than anyone in the landscape. Yeah. Like Missy did that and made that massively commercially successful in the like pre-girls gone wild, everyone is wearing low-cut denim and right. There are commercials where belly buttons sing era. <laughs> <I'm coming now>. <laughs> <laughs> that commercial played. <laughs> Top of mind. It was so good. Um, there's actually there's an episode of Switched on Pop where they talk about Missy. Um, they talk about uh, I don't forget what song they do specifically, but they mostly talk about Missy's career and they yeah. they mention that that like. You know, when you look at Missy, first of all, people don't ever talk about the fact that she was like a lyricist. Like that woman could write a fucking song and she was like clever and funny and like a true wordsmith. Like she would put shit together that would make you like think. And she has songs that people still fucking interpret now that they're like trying to figure out. Um, But they talk specifically about the fact that she was, you know, like a bigger black woman at the time who was like not really feminine but she did unapologetically sing about sex and her body and orgasming and she liked to dance she was a good dancer she never like she was a great dancer yeah like she just oh my god I get goosebumps (laughs) even like seeing her I'm just like 
I love her so much. I'm always rooting for her. Do you listen to the Pop Pantheon? It's sort of a new podcast. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, it's wonderful. It is taking the idea of fantasy sports and applying it to pop music. And love that. Every episode, they go through the career of a pop artist, mainly women, and they place them into a pantheon of okay. tiers from like legend on down. Uh, I think the the catchline for it is something like legends like Madonna to lesser legends like Nicole Schutzinger. Oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, yeah, there's an excellent episode on Missy Elliott uh, that anyone who's interested in all this stuff should go and listen to. And yeah, give that give that podcast some love. It's really good. Oh my God, literally message that to me immediately. I'm not kidding. Yeah, I will. Um, should we talk about Britney? No, uh, we're, we're going to get to Britney. Okay. Uh, I have some... Uh, Pressing, pressing questions. Ooh, first. okay, okay. Uh, why did people like Tenacious D? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know, honestly. <laughs> I can't answer that one. Okay, uh, what about this one? Um, was it only me who had a sexual awakening seeing the torso of the lead singer of Incubus? Yes. Actually, no, it wasn't only you, but it wasn't me. Uh, did you have tingly feelings as a young man that confused you when you saw the Robbie Williams video that was nominated in which he tears off his skin? No, yes. Now that, on the other hand, yes, that was a real, like, I better stay up late and make sure that video comes back on again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Again, a brief period of time in which it seems like Robbie Williams could have been an American celebrity. Totally. Uh, seg, oh. Is it possible that the uh, future baby daddy line that was delivered in 2021 from Megan Fox and Kourtney Kardashian was stolen from this very broadcast when Jamie Foxx says it about Mary J. Blige? (laughs) He didn't say that. (laughs) It's 100%. And actually, I would like to get lawyers involved in that as well. Okay, uh, another quick rapid question. Is there anything that we could have done after the release of Yellow for Coldplay not to have happened? Oh, God. You know, Coldplay is so interesting because they, I I was never a Coldplay girl, but I was surrounded by Coldplay girls. Okay. And they, they never came into my life, ever. So, like, even back then, like, looking at them, I'm like, I never, I never got it. Yeah, they, and they were really positioned as indie at the time, which was interesting. Right. Uh, another question. Why didn't we get a second song from the Moulin Rouge supergroup? Because they were so close to fucking eating each other's throats out and killing each other. <laughs> okay. uh, they couldn't, they, there's no way that Christina and Pink could have done it again. <laughs> uh, was culture at the time consumed by the glow up from Fresh Prince to the body oddy oddy that Will Smith showed off in this broadcast? Okay. Will Smith showed up and said, hi, I'm a, I'm a billion dollar movie star. Oh, he looked good. Like I'm a movie star. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, a traditional old school people magazine movie like mgm fucking movie star like holy fuck he looked incredible oh my god he he took off a jacket and was wearing 
basically like one of those workout gear shirts that yeah. like gym bros wear on Instagram. And yeah. you could see every vein and muscle. And yes. Will Smith looked good. Yeah. Um, why as a culture did we ever accept Julia Stiles as a dancer? I don't know. I was going to ask you about that because I was like, what the fuck? Like when she came out and started doing interpretive dance, I was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I forgot. Julia Stiles was up on stage dancing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Oh God, what a weird time. Uh, did you notice the moment in which Lil' Kim misses her line and Christina pounces in and takes it? <laughs> no. Oh my God. Wait, which, <laughs> which line? Uh, they were going, uh, I think the four of them went out to introduce a performance or something. Oh. And you could see that Kim turns around and looks back, I think, at Maya and... Christina looks and you can see her eyes register and then she looks at Kim and sees that Kim has turned around and she leans in and takes the line and then oh. Kim turns around and looks confused. Oh my god yeah they couldn't have done it twice they, they were lucky to do it once and they barely yeah. got it done. Yeah and finally as a Canadian who didn't watch actual MTV I watched our knockoff much music uh-huh. uh who liked Carson Daly and why did he get to keep that job? We all did, Russ, okay? We're all going to be DMU. The, the The reason that we liked Carson is because he was so blank. Yeah, he's most He's, for young kids, you can project a lot onto him. And none of us were ever able to figure out his true likes and dislikes. Okay. So it was like, I loved him because, I can tell you why I loved Carson, but I can't speak for everybody. I liked Carson because he would give the same amount of like grace and respect to O-Town as he would Lincoln Park or whoever. Yeah, like yeah. he really, as far as like interviewing, like he didn't, um, he wasn't an asshole about the fact that he had to interview pop stars all the time. And I liked that. Yeah, he he was an old school broadcaster. Yeah. And he, he asked good questions okay fine he just is like <laughs> but no like looking back I mean he's literally like he's like a sim <laughs> yeah like he definitely if you pull that man's pants down has like a Ken doll just like smooth pouch <laughs> there's he's nothing sexless. nothing interesting about him and I was always so like put off by the amount of celebutant women that would sleep with him I mean he really yeah. got around and I guess it's like he almost used to play the part of like the safe guy to hook up with. It's like, it's safe to just fuck Carson if I'm, if there's nobody else here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Okay. I love it. It's, it's all coming into focus. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, happy to clear those things up for you, especially Carson. I'm very defensive. All right. Now that you're all looped up, uh, let's move into the final performance of the night. Okay. So watching this in context with the rest of the show was really wild. Right. Like it, it really changed. I'm sure you've watched this performance often. Right. Like how often do you watch this performance? Oof, I mean, <laughs> like it comes up on my feed so often and it's rare that I'll scroll away from it. Like it's like okay. almost daily. 
I'll say that. It's almost daily. I don't right. type it in daily, but it's like, it, you know, it, it like pops up in my life, like on a daily basis. Sure. So, so what changed with the context of the show and how you viewed it? Well, I always view it as like, you know, obviously this was a really iconic performance, but I always viewed it as like all of the performances in the VMAs back in the day were iconic. And like, this is just how the show was. Like the show was just better back in the day. And that's not the case. Uh-uh. It made me appreciate her performance more. Yeah. Because I was like, wow, like this in comparison to like the level of production, there's just a difference. You can just tell that there's a difference between people like her and NSYNC who are doing full on, they're basically doing tour performances yeah. at award shows um, that are like themed and thought out and there's concepts and visuals and it's just like really intense compared to Jay-Z like you said earlier who had the, the Harlem Globetrotter kids outside with him like it was so you know what I mean um it just made me appreciate it even more and just I was like wow this must have been compared to what we just saw this yeah. must have really blown I remember yeah like blown yeah. people the fuck away she brought a snake out on stage yeah well and when you open up like the snake is the moment the imagery that lives on but right. when you open up she is standing in front of a tiger right jay-z sent out some kids to dribble (laughs) like literally he's not being sarcastic that was (laughs) the concept of his performance kids playing b-ball um yeah i mean just like and also to think about the context of like where britney was in her career at the time and to see her looking like that was also really like whoa like she's really sexy and she looks really mature and nobody knew that song so that's also fucking insane yeah so can you explain that because I went and looked it up this is not only the debut performance of the song am I understanding correctly that the song had not been released no one had ever heard this music it was the premiere of the song worldwide okay wow so like that's fucking insane and the con like the the lyrical content is also just like so like it really, I can understand now why it was just so, I don't know. Like I've been so inside baseball about it that now it's like, it just feels weird to watch it in this context with the whole show. Yeah. And I can uh, remember, like this sounds like a ye old days sort of a memory, but I remember newspapers the next day had the front page, pictures yeah. of Britney Spears and a snake. Yeah. It was like major world news. Yeah. And to think like a bunch of other people for, performed at this show that nobody knows about. Yeah. yeah like J-Lo, J-Lo danced for a minute and a half. <laughs> like she honestly could have gone out there and just stand there and like it wouldn't have made any difference because nobody will ever remember that she performed because Britney came out with a fucking snake. Um, yeah, it was just nuts. It was just fucking nuts. It was like so crazy to watch the whole thing and then see the buildup of this moment that is like, still even today people are like trying to find a way to top or to be to I don't know to solidify themselves as like a I'm a VMA artist like I'm a person who performs really good at the VMAs you know yeah like Britney I think really carved out a space of like being a person who was known as somebody who will go to the VMAs and fucking kill it yeah 
I uh, love to share celebrity conspiracy theories, not widespread ones, just ones that I come up with in my own brain. <laughs> I will right. message Troy at <laughs> 2 a.m. and be like, hey, I've got a new one. Uh, but watching this, I came up with a new one, a new like villain origin story for Justin mm. Timberlake. Mm. So this entire night, Britney Spears is the girlfriend of Justin Timberlake. That's yes. the framing of every shot. They, uh, NSYNC wins four awards. Justin is front and center as the, the sort of speaker of the group. He mm -hmm. opens up the number actually solo on stage before anyone else from NSYNC shows up. Yeah. It's really uh, Justin and NSYNC's moment to shine. It's their, you know, the Backstreet Boys show up for the start of the show and introduce hip hop of all things. Mm -hmm. But then they're away, they're gone. They had to, another gig that night. They were playing an arena and they were nominated for a song that was like, pretty much forgettable, like the third single. And then NSYNC came in with this huge song. They had a giant conceptual performance. Mm -hmm. They won all of the awards. And Britney Spears is just by his side cheering him on. Yeah. It's Justin's big night. And then at the end of the night, Britney comes out. Wow, you're so, oh my God. And it doesn't matter what happened to poor baby Justin Timberlake that whole night. That is Britney Spears' night. That's crazy. You're so right. Because I never, I never thought about it as Justin's, I mean, but it was like, this was Justin's yeah. award show. Yeah. Pretty much. And she hadn't even really started promoting her album yet. No, she hadn't done anything. Yeah. Like, I think they had just released the, the title. Yeah, she was, coming, she was coming to perform a song that you know, I never heard before. Yeah. And it was supposed to be his victory lap. God, that's crazy to think about. See, like shit like that. Like I never would have ever looked at it that way yeah. had I, we not watched this whole thing. Because I did not remember, obviously, that NSYNC had a big night, you know. Um, but yeah, totally. And I also think, I, I want to say... I keep trying to remember who it was that I was recording with when we talked about this. I want to say it was Molly Lambert and it was for the circus episode. But okay. um, I think it was her that brought up the fact that like, Justin, I think was always in a sense, jealous of the magnetism that Britney had on stage. Yeah. Especially when it came to dancing. There's an effortlessness to Britney's dancing that is like, can't be taught. And Justin is obviously an incredible dancer, but as far as like sort of just dipping in and out, like dipping in and out of like, I'm, I like R&B, now I'm going to go full pop, now I'm going to do a little bit of rock, I'm going to go back full R&B, I'm doing a whole R&B album. And the way that Britney was able to do that and never really be questioned about it because it all felt so natural to who she was, whereas with Justin, it felt like he was like pretending to be a bunch of different people. I do think that there was always like a, a weird like jealousy between them especially because they were like using Wade and then can we just talk about the fact that like Britney and NSYNC were there with Wade and Wade you know he choreographed both of those performances yeah and it's crazy to to think like how involved and invested he was in their lives and in their careers and then all of a sudden one day he was just gone because of the drama like he he was so impactful in her career yeah, absolutely. And there are, I, all behind the scenes people don't get the credit, but right. there are very specific 
eras, like I stand Gaga, and there's the Lorianne Gibson era. Yeah, totally. And it's it's very specific, and it yes. defined what Gaga was. It, yes. To me, that early era Gaga is as much a mixture of the visions of Lorianne Gibson and Nicola Formichetti as yeah. it is Gaga, right? Uh, but only really hardcore folks know who a choreographer even is, you know? That's such a perfect comparison. Because, like, Lorianne Gibson was Gaga at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, yeah, really, yeah. honestly. She really, I mean, she created Gaga, basically. <clears throat> and yeah, that's right. That's how I feel about Wade. Specifically, Wade and Brian Friedman. I feel like the Britney that we know, the Britney... Like the legacy artist Britney Spears, the one that we all remember, um, that's all Wade Robson and it's all Brian Friedman. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But no, it was uh, it was incredible. It was so fun to rewatch that and and have seen the whole night and know like she didn't just kill it because it was a good performance. Like she killed it in comparison to her peers. Like she was performing at like a, a high octane level that just was not we were not seeing otherwise like you're not seeing that from JLo and Ja Rule you just weren't you you know what I mean like you weren't seeing it from Christina and fucking Fred Durst the year before it just wasn't happening yeah no uh she brought it and got tens across the board um well do you have any closing thoughts let me like look at my notes and see if I missed anything because we never have the opportunity uh no there's nothing that I I want to say other than like just free britney turn her instagram back on <laughs> yeah. we should do this again like we should like do this yeah. again for another yeah. random award show yeah yeah 20 years of vmas <laughs> <laughs> we'll never run out of content we'll be caught up by next vmas <laughs> <laughs> right totally um well russell tell people first of all thank you for doing this thank you for coming back on the show i missed you so much i can't even put into words and you know this is just another another episode added to our like 50 page chapter (laughs) (laughs) um but tell people where they can find you and things that you're doing on the internet sure uh right now all of my social media is locked down because i don't want my students to find me if you're my student you're listening to this no you're not (laughs) (laughs) me uh, but I do Twitch streaming with a drag queen named Bombay. We are about to end a show that we have had for the past year and start a new show. It is going to be me and Bombay playing friendship-based games to test out our friendship. That's gonna be, yeah, it's really sweet. Uh, I think the last Thursday of this month, September, is going to be our first one, and that is twitch.tv slash channel. Fun, yeah. Everybody at Speakeasy is incredible. Um, yeah, Troy has uh, has did a season of God Tier TV and was just so wonderful. Uh, it was amazing to have you on the channel. It was so good. I like now. I'm like I want to do something else with Kai, and we're gonna figure it out because yeah. I have FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah. Well, you guys, I hope that you enjoyed this. We'll definitely do this again. Thank you for listening, Russ. I'm obsessed with you. I love you so much. I love you too. Um, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. 
Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.